Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of the brothers and sisters and all first-time guests or newcomers that are congregating to partake of this sermon today. A very warm greeting to all of the brothers and sisters, all of the churches worldwide, all those nations, those big groups and small groups where the church of the Lord has arrived through his permission and through his promise that is being fulfilled every day, those wonderful promises that he made many years ago. And today we are enjoying those promises and seeing his greatness, seeing the miracles and the wonders that he has been working and seeing that faithfulness of our God with us because of his support that he gives his church. We give thanks to the Lord for that support that he is giving the church. Without God's support, we cannot be anything nor do anything. We are nothing because it is God, the only one who moves his hand. He moves a finger for everything to be done. That is why we thank our God. And that is why we are all here today. To reflect on the sermon, to reflect here in this story of this account of the Acts of the Apostles, the way in which the church of the Lord began with many difficulties, but also seeing the miracles and the wonders that God worked so that people would believe in him for those who were hardened of heart, unbelievers, that they would believe Today, there are many places where people haven't heard of God. They haven't heard his word. They do not know that God exists. But God, in his mercy, wants for this knowledge to arrive to all and that everyone may know the almighty God, God creator of heavens and earth. Therefore, may God bless you all greatly. And also the brothers and sisters who are here with me today, blessings for all of you. May God be with all of you. And you may be seated. You may all find your places and be comfortable. And we are going to begin the reading. And we are going to be reading and reflecting every verse, every sentence, every phrase that the Bible tells us about this wonderful account in the Acts of the Apostles. And here we learn many things. Even though all of these things happened more or less 2,000 years ago, yet today, after 2,000 years, today we have that powerful God, that God that at that time was with the Apostles, gave them orders, taught them, he instructed them, so that they would go throughout all cities, all towns, all places to move to, to preach the pure gospel, the complete and true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the true word that was being preached and had been prophesied by the prophets in antiquity, just as the prophet Isaiah, just as Ezekiel, Jeremiah, as Moses also prophesied, Daniel, Elijah, many prophets prophesied about all of these things that we are now living and will live and all of these things that have been happening for over 2,000 years, the manifestation of the Lord with his gospel had been well known in many people's hearts. And we give thanks to our God because we today feel very privileged that God has chosen us to be here today in this fold, in this path of our God. And we ask the Lord also to help us, just as the Chorus said, that he may send us out to preach, but to give us abilities and power, authority, to be able to preach and teach people his wonderful word. And as I was saying, in those places where people have never heard that God exists. But how wonderful it is when the word of God arrives to those places because God speaks to them 
And then they say, who is, who is speaking to me? Why? Why do I feel happiness and joy in my heart? Why did he say what was in my heart? My private secret things in my heart. That makes people think and say, yes, a superior being exists, a supernatural being. So we give glory to our God for these things. And with that joy and with our hearts prepared for our God, we are going to open to Acts chapter 13, which is what we are going to read today. We know that we are reading all of the chapters in order. And there we find so many wonders, so many riches that make our heart and soul happy. Here in Acts chapter 13, we are going to be reading. And it says, The word of the Lord and this wonderful story of the beginning of the church of the Lord. Blessed be his name. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. How envious are we? Prophets and teachers. Are we going to be envious? No, because God has also today raised, raises and will raise prophets as well, teachers. Only that they are not evident they aren't well known, but there are, and they are working and they are serving in the congregations. That is why we are not going to be envious. And it says there were certain prophets and teachers. There are many Christians or people who say to read the Bible and they say that they are Christians. And they say that, no. Today, there are no prophets, that today there are no teachers, that the Holy Spirit doesn't manifest itself, that there aren't any gifts, that that was only for the early age. But I don't know where they got this information from. If what we read in the Bible when it says, God is the same yesterday and today, but the same meaning what? He is the same, meaning that the same manifestations that he had yesterday, he does them today. The same way of speaking as God spoke yesterday, he does it today as well with us. The same blessings that God gave to many in antiquity, today he gives to us. The punishment that God gave to the disobedient in antiquity, the Lord today also does it with those who are disobedient, those who are foolish. And the wonders and miracles and blessings and promises that he made yesterday in antiquity, our God does them today as well. We are witnesses. This church is a witness for about almost 60 years, we could say. All the people are witnesses, everyone, that God has made promises, that God has spoken to them, that God has convinced them that he has brought them to the congregation. So, God, today, doing the same that he did in antiquity, a thousand centuries ago. And God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so, what is the information? Where did they invent that God isn't capable of manifesting himself? God's power ran out? Everything ran out for the Lord? He did it before in antiquity and all the Lord is tired and he's done? No, our God is the powerful one, the owner and the ruler of the universe, creator of everything, of what we are able to see and to know. Therefore, foolishness, it is pure foolishness from those who say that today there will be no prophet or teacher. Yes, there are. And just as this verse says, that among the certain prophets that there were at the time, he names Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. It says that they were prophets and teachers. 
And it says in verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted because they needed to fast because they were persecuted to take their lives. And that is why they would fast. So that God would keep them and protect them from persecution of those who were unbelievers and wicked that were against the word of the Lord. But they were praying and they were fasting. And while they were doing this, the Holy Spirit spoke. Just as today, the Holy Spirit has spoken to us many times. It says, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So we can already imagine how it happened. Everyone was in a group praying to the Lord, the Spirit of God speaking. Some were prophesying, seeing visions. And it says that they obeyed the order of the Holy Spirit. And they sent them away with laying on of hands. Verse 4 says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus. They went by boat. Keeping in mind that all of these places, these towns, were near or are near the Mediterranean Sea. Some exist, others, they have changed their names. Other cities are in ruins, but the new people, the new city as well. Near the Mediterranean Sea, which is what they used to move to all of those cities and towns. And verse 5 says, And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They used synagogues of the Jews in order to preach because they did not have special places. There was no meeting hall. Like we today have our meeting place, a special place to gather. And so they, since they lacked this, they would ask for permission in the synagogues and they would go and preach the gospel of the Lord. And it says that they arrived to that town, Salamis, and in the synagogue they preached. They also had John as their assistant. It says, Now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet. There it talks about a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. We see brothers and sisters from that moment in the Jewish people. God had not manifested himself to the Jews as he did before, giving them kings, prophets. But God had a time where he turned away from the people and did not manifest himself to anyone. And that was many years. I would say about 600 years. I'm not very sure how long. I know that 430 years went by, but also we have to count the years they were in Babylon. Well, we ought to calculate many things, but I don't pay too much attention to that. The point is that many centuries went by when, when the Lord was far from the people. He never manifested himself. And when John the Baptist appears, he was a prophet. And that is why the Lord Jesus Christ said that the last prophet that had prophesied about the coming of the Savior or the Messiah or the king that God was going to send to the people, the last one to prophesy about that topic was John the Baptist. That is why the Lord said and the last prophet, they prophesied up to John. And what did they prophesy about up to John? 
that the Messiah was coming, the Savior, the King, the one sent by God, the Savior of the world, and that he would come and change many things. And so John was the last, yet we can imagine, because the story doesn't tell us much, but we imagine that the Jewish people continued to fight, trying to have their own king and fighting to have their prophets and trying to have their temple as they did in Solomon's time. That is why it says here that there was a false prophet. It says that this false prophet was a Jew and his name was Bar-Jesus. Who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man? This man called for Barnabas and Saul, in other words, Bar-Jesus. He called Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Well, there was a controversy there. In verse 9, it says, Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. What a punishment for this person, for having prevented the apostles from speaking about the gospel to those who were interested. And it was very harsh, Paul, when he says, son of the devil. We today, perhaps God has taught us to be a bit more prudent. Because today, we do not have the enemies that at the time Paul was facing people that were fierce enemies of the Lord. And also they were people who were blasphemers, the Jews themselves. They were blasphemers. They offended. They cursed. The work of God, they cursed the apostles who were works of God. They were sent by God. And that is why, since they would go directly against the Lord, that is why the apostle also, taken by the Holy Spirit, God was very stern with these people, and specifically with this person, this sorcerer. A matter that we do not live today, because today we are surrounded by many people from different beliefs and we do not have that persecution that is exclusive where they persecute us for following the Lord Jesus Christ or the gospel because today people surround us saying that they're all Christians and they believe in Jesus Christ and they follow him. According to the time and the moment and the situation, we see how God was manifesting himself using his instruments, his apostles, and this we learn today, and we see how God, according to the circumstance, the Lord manifests himself. And the Lord today has been very merciful with many people, with people who do not believe, who do not accept. God in his mercy gives them visions, experiences, so that people may believe and receive God's blessings. Therefore, today we see how the Lord has manifested his mercy and teaches us as well prudence and wisdom to 
teach and to speak, to preach, to speak to someone. Surely we have not had a blasphemer near us who come to our face to blaspheme the things of God and having to treat them sternly as Paul did with this sorcerer. Surely that will happen so that this may not be something strange or odd in our lives because surely today this situation can happen. Very well, here, this person God punished and they were left blind. And it says in verse 12, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Glory to God. Because that person, that person from the government, believed because he saw the miracle, the work of God. In verse 13, Now when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So here we see that they always preached in the synagogues. And they entered on a Sabbath day and they sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, we see here the mix in the way in which they were evangelizing, but they were also respecting because they were in a synagogue. They went in to partake of it because they were reading the law of Moses and of the prophets. And they, of course, respected just as we today respect and we love the law and the prophets and the Psalms because there is the doctrine of the Lord. The doctrine is there and that is what we depend on so that we may be blessed by God and supported by him because that is where the basics are of what God spoke about the gospel. Glory to God. And so they here respected and after Reading the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. How beautiful that they gave them permission to speak. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. How beautiful. We can imagine this. There, the Jews, everyone, all of them there, listening to the law, listening to the prophets. And then they allowed the apostles to speak and they take that time to speak about the gospel. How beautiful that is to speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 17, the God of this people, that was the sermon that they began. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people. When he says, when Paul says here, he chose our fathers, the God of this people, Israel, who were the fathers, Jacob and his 12 children, the males. They were the fathers, Jacob and his 12 sons. And so from there, the people of Israel was formed. And that is why they were considered the fathers. So it says here, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it, out of Egypt. He is beginning to speak to these people, to these Jews, speaking to them about what happened. And he says, now for a time of about 40 years, he put up their ways in the wilderness. Paul tells the story that they left Egypt by Moses' hand, and in the wilderness they lived, and they were dwelling in the wilderness for 40 years. And he says that during those 40 years, God put up with their ways. He says, And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. We find all of these things when we read in Numbers when we read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we find 
these stories there when Moses had to battle against certain cities there in the wilderness to take them, and God gave the victory. So here, Paul begins to tell this to them. He begins there. That is why I'm saying we value and we love the law, to read the law, to read the prophets, to read the Psalms, because the doctrine is there. And look, Paul also began there. He didn't go directly into saying, look, men of Israel, I'm going to speak to you about Jesus Christ. No, he started from the beginning, from the root, from the root of the tree, so that everyone would understand and value what God had done and what God was doing with them as well. And so that is why he begins to tell them, saying they left Egypt. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, having destroyed some nations in the land of Canaan so that they could have that land. Verse 20, after that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. How beautiful that he begins to retell a story. We know that after Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, then comes Joshua. Joshua then judges. God manifesting himself to the people of Israel. But here, Paul is retelling the story to get to Christ. And we'll see, where does he get to Christ? So he says, After that he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. This is also what we read in the story. That the people asked for a king, and the Lord said, I do not want to give them a king because I want to be their king. But they persisted. They persisted that they wanted to have a king because the other nations, each nation had their own king. And how could it be possible that they did not have a king? So the Lord said, okay, I will give the first king and it will be Saul. And Saul ruled for 40 years. And in verse 22, and when he had removed him, Saul, when he died, when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. But here, there was a symbolic representation here in this David, who would be a man after God's heart. He would be doing everything that God wanted. He wasn't speaking so much about that physical David, that flesh and bone David, but about the essence of the lineage that would come from David. We are going to see who came from David to rule. But here he says, I have found David and he will do everything that I want. So this David flesh and bone didn't do everything that God wanted, but the other David did. The symbolic representation did. He says later on, we will see, it says in verse 23, from this man's seed, in other words, David's, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus, glory to our God. This David, it says that he was a man after his own heart, God appointed him as a king and he said he will do everything that I want. And who did everything that God wanted? Our Lord Jesus Christ. He came from David's lineage. And God raised up for Israel a savior, Jesus, king of Israel. But no longer that physical or material Israel. But that he would be a king for a spiritual Israel. Glory to our God. And in verse 24, it says, the apostle Paul continues to narrate, after John had first preached, before his coming, the coming of Jesus Christ, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. In other words, before, they did not do water baptisms. Water baptisms were done for the first time by John. And he said, repent. And they said, in order to repent, what do we need to do? Be water baptized. It was 
the sign. It was the commitment that the people were going to do to show God saying, yes, Lord, I repent and I'm going to believe in the preaching of John the Baptist. And so what do I need to do? We need to be baptized. So I'm going to be water baptized because that is what John the Baptist is preaching. And since I want to believe and I want to do God's will and receive the blessings that John preaches of, then I will do it and I will be water baptized. All of this was also a source of outrage for the Jews. That is why they would say that John had come to bring a new religion. And when the Lord Jesus Christ began to preach also that it was a new religion, how was it possible that the law of Moses would be set aside? It was a difficult thing to understand for that people, but for us, it is not difficult to understand because the Holy Spirit has already explained to us many, many times, thanks be to God. So Paul continues to narrate. It says, and as John preached, so it says in verse 25, and as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he. In other words, I am not the king. I am not the Christ. I am not the Savior, the Messiah. But behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. That was what the apostle was telling that group of Jews in that synagogue, talking about the beginning to arrive to Jesus Christ. And to say that John had said that he was not the prophet, nor the king, nor the one sent, nor the Messiah or the Savior, that after him was the Savior that was coming and he wasn't worthy to loosen the sandals of his feet. In verse 26, Paul continues to speak, saying, Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. It says here that every Sabbath, in other words, the day of rest, they would read in the synagogues, the law of Moses and the prophets. And so I read again. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and the rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. So they did not fulfill, but they condemned him to death. And though they found no cause for death in him and the Savior and the Lord Jesus, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, he is saying that everything that was written about him was fulfilled about the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of the prophets. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him, with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. Paul was not a witness, but he heard that the other apostles had been witnesses. They had walked with the Lord. They saw when they crucified him, when he died, when he was buried, and when he resurrected. So Paul says they are his witnesses present, and they saw the Lord when he resurrected. 32 says, And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, and us, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm. In the second psalm says, You are my son, today I have begotten you. That is what Psalm 2 says in verse 7. You are my son, it says. Today I have begotten you. And someone says, they say, well, if the son of God is God, but he never had a beginning, 
but it is talking about the human part. Because the human part, God created it, and the Lord Jesus was born of a woman. The human part is what the Lord begot. That human part, because God, he became flesh. That he became flesh, and in one moment, God entered the womb. Just a portion of God, surely. Something, a small part of the Lord. Because God is so big and powerful, he can fill and cover all. So his power was like this, to enter a woman's womb and be born. And that part, that flesh and bone, that human was called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that is what the Lord begot. For those who put down, who say that the Lord Jesus Christ is no one, he was no one, just an ordinary man or prophet. And here it says, In verse 34, and that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. He says that in Isaiah, it is written, these promises, these prophecies are about the Lord Jesus Christ. In 35, therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. In Psalm 16.10, talking about our Lord Jesus Christ, it says that the Father never allowed for that human part of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to see corruption. In other words, that by dying, being buried in the tomb until he became to dust or that he would be decomposed, that body, that material part that that did not allow to happen to the Savior, to the Lord, that was not allowed to happen because God protected him. And that is why he resurrected with his body, but glorified. And when they went to the tomb, they could not find him, nor did they find the body because he had resurrected. And that is where Psalm 1610 says that God will not allow his Holy One to see corruption for him to decompose in a tomb, for him to turn into dust. That was the corruption that he was talking about in Psalm 1610. And in verse 36, he says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. So here he is saying that David died. He fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. In other words, his body was decomposed, destroyed, and it was made into dust, surely. And so he did see corruption. His body was decomposed. While the Lord Jesus Christ, he resurrected, and his body was glorious. And so, he says, but he whom God raised up saw no corruption, Jesus Christ. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So he is saying that Moses, being a prophet and being a savior of a people himself when he brought them out of Egypt, he says that he could not justify, no one was justified by Moses, but that everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who follow him, all of them will be justified by him. Glory to the Lord. That is our hope that we today have as well, that we will be justified by the Lord because we believe in him. We believe that he is that true God that took flesh that glorified himself, he was born, he grew up, and he was sacrificed and died for people, for those who are to believe in him, and that the Lord once again resurrected with his body, glorified, perfect, and that is where our God has been always with us, and one day we will be before him, and we will see him face to face, and that is our hope today. God 
That is what he talks to us about. That is what he promises us. That is the hope, what we want, what we hope for one day to be there in eternal life with our God. And he says here in verse 40, he says, Beware, therefore, he says, Paul continues to speak, Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. The prophets say, Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you, and that is found in the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, I will reread it. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days. What was the work that he was going to work in their days? The appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. He says, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. And that is how it happened. That is how it happens. That is what is happening. And this, Paul says to these Jews who are there gathered. And you have not believed. You have not wanted to believe or accept the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are going to continue this account. In verse 42, it says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, when Paul left with his peers, and they went out after having preached to them this, it says the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. How beautiful, how wonderful, how would those days be? Wonderful days when the Gentiles were interested in listening to the gospel of the Lord. That plan of salvation and they ask them to talk to them the next Sabbath. Don't come to the synagogue, speak to us. And here in 43, now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and the devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. I believe that proselytes were students. They were people who were preparing themselves to serve God. They were the proselytes. You can research that and let me know. But it says that they were there because they were students of philosophy and learning everything about God. They were preparing themselves. And so it says that all of them followed them, and persuaded them to continue. We want to believe. We want to continue. Help us. Well, there was an interest from those people. And in verse 44, it says, On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Blessed be the Lord. But when the Jews... Here, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. How sad. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Behold, we turn to the Gentiles. That is the explanation that Paul gave these people. You were the ones whom we needed to testify to about the Lord, so that you may receive the blessing. But since you do not want it, and you put down the word of the Lord, then we speak to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are going to believe, they are going to convert, and they are going to follow and they will follow, and the church will be formed, so that the word of the Lord Jesus Christ may be fulfilled. When he was with the apostles, and he said, I have another fold, I have other sheep that aren't of this fold, of the Jews. I have other sheep, and one day I am going to gather those two folds, and I will make one flock and one shepherd. That is how the Lord said it. And here we see how this was beginning to be fulfilled, that word of the Lord Jesus Christ, that promise that they 
were preaching to the Jews. Since they put it down, they were going to preach to the Gentiles and they were going to hear the word of the Lord. And verse 47 says, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Glory to our God. To the ends of the earth. That is the promise of the Lord. The ends of the earth. That is why we know that the word of the Lord is going to reach the Asian countries, the continent of Asia. The word of the Lord will reach that entire continent, the entire continent of Africa. All of those islands, all of those places that are remote, the word of the Lord will reach them because this is the Lord's promise. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Glory to our God. 48. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from the region. They were expelled, but they had already planted the seed of the word of our God. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them, and came to Iconium. In other words, they left, but they left there a curse because they had looked down upon the word of our God. That is what these prophets did. This prophet Paul and Barnabas. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And since God is the same yesterday, Today and forever, today, after more than 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit continues to be in the hearts of his people that love God, those who want to follow this true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is here in the midst of us. In the midst of all of you, and he will give you happiness and joy in your heart. The Holy Spirit is there to fill you, to comfort us, to comfort you all, to exhort, to correct, to guide, and to make many wonderful promises. That is why you should not be rebellious or stubborn or unbelieving. Accept the word of God. Accept God because he lives, because he speaks. And that God that the Bible speaks of is the God that we preach, the one that we are teaching. He is the God that manifests himself, that works miracles and wonders, the God that gives peace, that gives comfort. Therefore, do not look down upon this God of power. It is the same God that over 2,000 years ago presented to Paul to these apostles. It is the same God that we have today. Glory to the Lord. He is here with us. He has made us promises. He fulfills them. And every day we hear and we see his marvels, the miracles that he works for people, the healing, the wonders, the blessings that God gives to each person. And one day he will give us eternal life. The glory and the honors for our God we are going to be praying to our Lord. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, thank you, my Almighty God. Thank you, my Lord, for your promises, for your word given from centuries ago, from before Abraham. You, Lord, were already speaking, speaking about the future, saying that in the future, you would be manifesting yourself to a people, to hearts that would be prepared for you. And my Lord, the story that we have in the Bible of how you manifested yourself to those people, to those patriarchs, how you prepared all of those hearts so that through them today, Lord, we may enjoy of your word, of your promises 
of your mercy, of your love. And we are enjoying that word and wonderful support that you give us. Thank you, eternal God. Help us so that we may be faithful and that we may be honest and upright in your presence always and that we may love you with all of our hearts and that we may fight against the enemy, against all of those negative forces of the enemy and that we may triumph with your help, my Lord, because your word is truth, because your promises are faithful and true. Thank you, eternal God. Holy Father, we trust in your love and your power. I ask that you extend your healing hand upon all who are sick, who have different types of illnesses. Extend your hand, Lord, that it may be you healing each person and delivering and cleansing Rebuke unclean spirits, rebuke witchcraft and sorcery, break chains, break spiritual bonds, remove curses, deliver, give joy and happiness to each heart, give blessings, my Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, the glory and the honors for you, Lord, from now and forever, amen, glory to the Lord. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor, yo sé que estás aquí, yo sé que estás aquí, Señor, yo sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, porque sé que estás aquí, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba porque sé que estás aquí, yo sé que estás aquí, Señor, yo sé que estás aquí, yo sé que estás aquí, Señor, yo sé que estás aquí, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba. Mi alma te alaba porque sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba porque sé que estás aquí. Glory to the Lord. Glory to our God. May my Lord bless you all greatly. Thank you very much. A very big hug for everyone. The kiss as usual for the children. May my Lord bless you. Thank you once again. And first-time guests and newcomers, press on. Read the Bible. God is also with you all. See you soon. May God bless you. <laughs>